The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WSIC. All systems are a go. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Taking care of Iredell with North Carolina State Representative Jeff McNeely is about to begin in five, four, three, two, one. Good morning, Iredell County. Hope everybody's doing well this morning. Yeah, it's going to be hot, you know. Tell you what, yeah, there's a lot of record heat being set, and I'm not going to deny that. The big numbers, triple digits all over the place and a lot of places throughout the Midwest, lower southeast. Um, it's July, last day of it. August is coming. It's usually even hotter. When we start doing these triple digits in January, though, they might be able to convince me a little bit more. But I'm just saying, it's supposed to be hot, and I know it's hot. So uh, the news just loves to beat this up. Ah, get off of that little soapbox and move forward. Hey, I got a great show this morning for us. Uh, got uh, Deanna Ballard. Uh, I think she was on Senator Sawyer's show on Friday, but we're going to have her back on. And, and you know, we're going to really interview her since we're the professional show here of the two and see what we can uh, learn from her and hear about her run for lieutenant governor. Ah, sorry, Vic, just had to poke you a little bit there. But anyway, hey, a couple things that's gone on over the weekend. Uh, Darren Campbell, our sheriff, uh, got elected as president of the North Carolina Sheriff's Association. Uh, and that's a great honor. And, and we're tickled for Darren. And congratulations, Darren. Congratulations. You're doing a great job for us, the sheriff. And, uh, and we appreciate you. And I know you're going to do a great job representing the Sheriff's Association. And uh, as the old saying goes, I'm sure I'll be hearing more from you because now there's uh, 99 more. Uh, that uh, want things and need to look at legislation, and we'll be glad to help any way we can. Always have, always will. So, uh, you know, just got back, uh, been blessed, got to go to a legislative conference uh, this past week uh, and got to associate with a lot of great people and network all across this whole great country of ours and and look at model legislation that's out there and really some neat things. Uh, one of the pieces of model legislation that I, I may actually pick up and run, uh, maybe short session or hopefully next uh, long session, Um Involved electric vehicles being purchased by government entities, whether it be counties, cities, uh, towns, whatever, uh, that uh, do not have any slave labor or child labor uh, parts to it. Uh, we're coming to find out that a lot of this mining for the batteries in in, in Africa and in Asia and whatever, uh, it's pretty brutal. And so, uh, you know, we're not wanting to participate in anything, no matter how green it makes, if it means involving human rights uh, being just decimated. So kind of unique, unique legislation. Let's see if we can go green without uh, the slavery aspect to this. And I know a lot of people out there probably hadn't thought about it, but it, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, one of the things I think that's uh, really interesting is, and I, I'll say the truth is out, and if anybody wants to call in, 704-873-1400, love to hear what you got to say on this, that, anything you want to talk about, but, uh, you know, the same amount of battery material for one Tesla is equal to the same amount of battery material for 39 Priuses. Now, I'm not saying go out and buy a Prius, but what I am saying is what makes the most sense if we're looking to curb uh, pollution or CO2 or whatever, it's a hybrid. 
it's a lot less devastating to the environment. We're not going to have to mine as much. I mean, we're talking about digging pits all over the world to drag these minerals out to make these batteries. And we're using fossil fuel equipment to do it. So where's the – and then we're, we're going to charge the batteries with, with natural gas-generated power plants. So, you know, the, the, the lunacy of this is very obvious. But if we looked at the hybrid situation, we wouldn't have to mine but about 139th of the amount for the same vehicle. Wouldn't have to build near the charging stations that is talking about having to do that infrastructure. But the left doesn't want to even talk about that. They don't even want to look at hybrid model. It's all about electric vehicles because that vehicle doesn't put out any pollution. Doesn't say anything about the power plants or the equipment or the mining or everything else it takes or the ships to haul it over here, the whole nine yards that are all burning fossil fuels. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, step back and let's just talk about the logic in this. There is none. So, dang, you know, this is going to be interesting. Uh, one thing I did want to bring out now, and, and you're hearing it in the news, uh, I need a scorecard to keep up but now they're targeting trump okay they're going after him for the january 6th storming of the capitol they're also uh they're also going to prosecute him for the mishandling of classified documents there's criminal charges against him in the state of new york also looks like charges may be coming out of the state of georgia for trying to change election outcome and now they're going after him and his help at mar-a-lago for supposedly tampering with uh security footage now the raid was i don't know a while back uh it's funny that the security footage thing has just now come about i guess they've been so busy with everything they're just waiting to go and you know, I understand he didn't have a seatbelt on the other day, so they're going to get him for a seatbelt violation, too, it looks like. So anything and everything that they can throw, uh, they're throwing at him. Uh, the question is, is this a, a grand plan to uh, to make sure that everybody feels sorry enough that they put him in, or are they really wanting to try to get him in jail so he can't be president? Or What are they? I have no idea what the left's craziness is up to, but they're throwing everything they can at him, that's for sure. So we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's quite interesting. It looks like we got a caller. We got about time to take one call. We got about three minutes. Let's see who we got. Hey, it's Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got here? Good morning. This is William. How are you doing this morning, Jeff? I'm good, William. How are you doing? All right. Down in Chatham County, they're going to build a car manufacturing plant down there. Mm -hmm. Interesting how our governor didn't veto that, but. It seems like if a governor worker would turn in a Burger King receipt, the governor would veto it. <laughs> but he's not going to be—he's not going to veto the plant down there. Is that going to be? Do you know if that plant is just going to be all electric, or are they going to do a combination of hybrid and electric? What we've been told by the manufacturer Vinfast is it will be all electric vehicles, and then Toyota is building a huge battery plant uh, within probably 20, 30 miles of it, if that far, uh, right outside of Liberty, North Carolina, down 421 below Greensboro. And so those are right. the two huge things. Uh, VinFast will be our first foray in the state of North Carolina into automobile manufacturing. Um, we were a little worried 
We finally did get a, 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 a I guess, an engineered uh, rendering of what the plant would look like the other day. We was afraid VinFast maybe doesn't have the financial worth all to, to build this plant, but it looks like it is going to happen. It is behind schedule, and a lot of that has to do with VinFast, really not the state of North Carolina. We worked dig- diligently. I actually played a little part in that uh, with the EPA to make sure they could get their uh, their permits and be able to start moving forward. Uh, we had a little issue about silver in our water in North Carolina, but yet nobody's able to yeah. measure down to the level they said they thought there was trouble at. And I said, well, when y'all figure out how to measure it, then we'll, we'll talk about the danger. It was down to nanoliters, and they couldn't measure down enough after they did a mathematical extrapolation of what they thought would be uh, toxic. Um, so we, I had a talk with them. I was head of that committee, and I was like, until we, until we actually, you can prove to me we got a problem, your math's not going to work. So, uh, so that's, it looks like it's going to happen. Hey, William, we got about 30 seconds for break, so I can't talk too long. You got anything else you want to well, ask about? you know, going going green we're gonna have to go green eventually but it's not a light switch we can't cut off what we've been dealing with for 100 years and then go on all electric all the once yeah. you know you can't do that it's crazy it's gotta, gotta happen in a timely matter that's great hey we gotta go to break if you want to hang on we'll talk some more or, or if you're done we'll, we'll go on to break we'll talk to you later All right, back here for the second, I guess the second part of the show or the middle of the show, or we're, we're trying to figure out the breaks. I got John on the phone, so let's see if we can bring him in, Joe. Hey, John, you still with me? Yes, I am. Hey, what's got on your mind this morning? What's up? Well, I got a question. Lay it on. I was looking for something to do being retired, so I thought I'd help the community out and drive a school bus, which is a tough job. <laughs> I don't know if you ever done it. Thank you. Thank but, you. But on a, but here we go. I got a man. I got emails. I got to do a mandatory training that is by it's mandated by the state legislators, and it took me over six hours, and I'm not paid for it. Mm-hmm. How can that be? Well, and, and you know, uh, we've actually I've tried to go back and revisit this some uh, because I, you know we're requiring CDLs for bus drivers. So you're basically going through the same, if maybe not a little more intense training than you would to drive a, a tractor trailer. And I, I think we've gotten a little carried away. I, I understand safety. Believe me, I do. But uh, the th- some of the stuff that we're requiring, the drug testing, which I think is important, uh, but the different things and, and how hard it is to get your bus driver's license, it is very difficult to do, and then once you do, I, you know you're on a path. You could actually go take a job and drive a truck and make more money. So it, it's 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 not exactly the plan that I would put in place that we have right now. Well, I had my CDL license, so I, all I had to do was go get the S endorsement. Yeah. Because I did drive truck for a little while, but this is all the school teachers. I guess everybody that's certified or has to do this mandatory training about. Um, drug trafficking and child trafficking and all this other stuff, which took me six hours. When I called or when I emailed the administrator to ask how to put in to get reimbursed, the email I got back is, this is mandated by the state. It's non-funded and there is no pay. Hmm. But you know what? I'm not a school teacher. I can't do it on company time. 
I can only clock in when I actually drive the bus. So I just spent six hours from something mandated by the state that has nothing to do, actually do with me getting my CDL license or bus driving license. It has to do with managing the kids, I guess. And I'm gonna get, I didn't get paid for it. I spent all day Sunday doing this for free. I, I mean, it just isn't right. And I emailed, actually ticked me off because it was just a smart-ass email I got back. <laughs> um. Were you able to do it online, or did you have to go somewhere physically and and participate? No, I do it. You got it. You do it online. Okay. Well, at least, at least you didn't have driving involved. Anybody else yep, can still. go on the clock and do it, but I can't. Hmm. I'm just saying. I, I just I just got the email back, and I'll listen to your show because I always do. I love it. And I thought I'm going to call and just let him know what crap is. You know what? I, I enjoy driving a bus. It is very, very tough. Because the kids today have no discipline. Mm-hmm. The parents aren't parents. Nobody can control these little monsters. <laughs> but there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of great kids on that bus. And there's three or four that try to ruin it for everybody. Oh, yeah. That's like real life. It know? is, isn't it? Exactly. Anyways, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll take it up with the principal of the school I drive with because if the school mandates it, or if the state mandates it, I should get paid for it. Well, let me, and and I'll check in on my side on this, and and see where it's at, uh, and and see what we do. There may be a, I, I you know, I I'm going to tell you, there's a check coming in the mail, but this may be something we need to seriously take a look at to see if we cannot uh, uh, somehow or another, uh, you know, reimburse or, or or pay something, give something. Uh, overtime or, or, or maybe vacation comp time or something, you know, some way or another to help with this. So uh, let me see on my side too. But you you talk to the principal, but I'll also talk to my people down there because this kind of falls into the transportation realm, in my opinion, uh, and I'm one of the chairs on that. So I, I need to take a look and see how this goes and, and then talk with DPI, Department of Public Instruction also. But, I, hey, I, John, I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. Did not know that you that you were not uh, reimbursed for the, your time during training. Well, I tell you, I, I tell you what I can do. I, I do have your number, so I can call you after the show and stuff, hey. and let's give you my number. Do that. So if you need more information, we can do that. I yeah, just thought yeah. I'd do it over the air. Yeah, do that call or text either one, so I got you in my phone that way, and uh, and then that way I can come back to you if I need something or I can tell you how we're moving along. Okay, very good. Hey, I appreciate right. you. Thank, Thank you, John. You. All right. Yep. Bye. And, that, folks, that's kind of what I like to hear. I like to hear the issues that's out there. So if there's something I can maybe try to help, I'll be glad to. Looks like we got another call. Let's go ahead and take it, Josie. Who we got here? Hey, this is Representative Jeff McNeely. Who we got? Hey, Jeff. This is Susan. Hey, Susan. I was just wondering, and I agree with the caller right before you, who's trying to do right. He's trying to, you know, he's trying to be a bus driver. Mm. But if the, if the state, if our state is so concerned with our children's safety on these buses, why in the world don't we have seatbelts? I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. And, and I'm not saying bad. I'm just saying I knew it because we have had this talk. We have had I mean, this talk. Me. Yeah. These are our children. They're, they're children. They're young people. They're teenagers and so on. Put some seatbelts in these daggone things. I, I, if nothing but a lap belt would go a long way. 
Uh, I, I agree. Uh, you know, like I said, you got to wear them in every other vehicle you get into. But for some reason or other, you can put children in a big box and send them out, and they don't have to have them. And believe exactly. me, I, I've been slung all around a bus as a kid. I don't know how many times. Children have been children have been hurt and killed on buses that turn over, and so on. I mean, good grief! I'll pay the extra. I'm sure all of us as parents and grandparents will pay the extra taxes. Put seatbelts in our children's buses. Yeah, I'd I'd love to know how much it would cost just to get the lap belt. You know, just to get to like, and the other thing about yeah. it too is, just like the guy, just like John had called in, maybe we can keep them in their seat and keep them from messing with each other and causing troubles. Tell you that might be a way to do it. So, uh, you know, I, this is a great, and and I've talked to them. I, I, we talked, I've talked to DPI, and you know, they said, well, we can't retrofit. I said, well, what if we just start now with every new bus? You know, eventually we'll cycle through. We'll get it eventually. So, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere, sometime, somehow. So uh, I'll try to take a look into this, too, and see if I can figure out the cost. I'd just be curious to hear what it, how much more it costs to put lap belts in a, in a uh, school bus than none at all like we have now. So, yeah, appreciate it. Thank I, you. Susan, I appreciate you calling Thank in. You. Yeah, this is a concern. Believe me, it is. These are, these are all very valid valid concerns. So we'll, we'll try to do a little checking and see. Uh, it, you know, it's going to get down to, to, to money, but, hey, if it saves lives, or if it keeps kids from getting injured, it's it's not that expensive, folks. It's really not. I, I never have understood why they're the only vehicle I know probably built in, I can't remember when, that doesn't have a seatbelt in it since my childhood. So curious. Hey, getting on to one thing, I got a little bit more time, but not much till we go to our 1130 break. And I got, like I said, uh, Deanna Ballard going to come on and talk to us. Got about four minutes. Well, Senator Ted Budd. Uh, is leading a group of Republican senators wanting to know what the Justice Department is doing about uh, so-called intelligence service centers that are set up by the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese government, in the United States. You know, I talked about they were going to have listening posts in uh, Cuba. Well, heck with that. We've actually realized now that they they have actual, in these nonprofits, and I don't know the names of the nonprofits, but I can tell you the city. Let me see if I can get in here. Uh, they're basically called, uh, make sure I got the word right, Overseas Chinese Service Centers out of nonprofits in at least seven U.S. cities. And they are located in San Francisco, California, Houston, Texas, Omaha, Nebraska, St. Paul, Minnesota, Salt Lake City, Utah, St. Louis, Missouri, and Charlotte, North Carolina. So, you know, I... How does this happen? I mean, are we the only country on the face of the earth that people we know hate us and can't stand us can come and set up uh, basically uh, uh, call centers and, and just watch our every move? You know, we sell them land all over the place. We're letting them get near our military bases. Now we think we have malware involved in a lot of our different utilities where if we had an emergency response to whatever could happen, it could hinder us from being able to get power, water, whatever. Um uh, I mean, dang, folks, dang. <laughs> How much are we going to let them do? Who needs a balloon? Who needs a balloon? The balloon was, was obviously just an accident because they're getting a whole lot more information from us out of uh, these different call centers. So it's kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't know. 
But I will tell you, all right, and, and, and here's for the craziness. Here's for the craziness, and I probably should have kept it in line with what's going on with the, with the green cars and this, that, and the other. National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration. You probably don't even know them or never really heard about them or never cared about them. Uh, well, on Friday, proposed new rules to require the 2027 to 2032 models to average 58 miles per gallon over the whole portfolio of a company. So Ford, Chevrolet, their average fuel price. And now right now, they are uh, actually being forced by 2026. Their average has to be 49 miles per gallon. So there, that's one of the reasons you see the EV ramp up is because of part of the Biden administration, Highway National Traffic Safety Administration. Who would have thought they had the power to do anything except put out orange barrels and cones? But no, they're actually the ones that are sitting there mandating how much fuel mileage you need to have. Uh, you know, at, at this rate, and they're also working alongside the EPA in this as far as CO2. and So it's like a combination. They're hitting you from every side. Uh, Two-thirds of the vehicles are going to have to be electric by 2023 to accomplish this. There is a 60-day comment period right now. So you can go on the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration website. Please comment. Uh, better yet, just vote red and let's stop some of the madness. I uh, got Deanna Ballard going to be on here soon. Can't wait to talk to her. Stay tuned, folks. Good show going on here. All right. Take care. All right, folks, we're back here. Let's see if we can bring our guest on, see if Deanna's there. Hey, Deanna, are you there? I'm here. All right, all right. Now, now we could do this, Senator Representative, but I'd rather do it, Deanna and Jeff. Is that all right? That's fine. Oh, cool deal, yep. Because Deanna, she was a senator uh, when I got down there. I think you got elected, was it 2014, 2016? When did you go in? 2016. 2016 2016 is when I Came to Raleigh World. That's right, right. And you was there through 2020. And, and of course, you know, our, our all of our districts, all of our, uh, where we're at, they were all gerrymandered so bad, the Republicans did it, that we double-bunked two Republicans together, you and Ralph Heiss. So, yeah, we really, we were really up to something there, wasn't we? Uh, so. Yeah, man. In fact, that was the second time I got double-bunked. That's right. That's right. I forgot that. It was. It was. So, I, you right. know, I, I, I love the how we point that out and they went, well, well, that still doesn't mean these are not crooked districts. You know? Yeah, right. OK, we we had about four of those in the House and two or three in the Senate. So quite a few. But anyway, uh, that, you know, uh, you, you're now back uh, running for lieutenant governor. T- tell the listeners, yeah. I know you, have, you were on Vicky's show Friday, but I, I always say I got a complete set of 20,000 different listeners in her. Tell, <laughs> tell the people a little bit. Who is Deanna Ballard? Tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about you personally. Well, I certainly will. So I just grew up right next door in Lincoln County. There you go. Born and raised there in Denver. So know that area very well. Dad was a logger and mom was a school teacher for 26 years. So I grew up in a very hardworking family really rooted in, you know, biblical values, conservative values, and um, have just continued to 
worked my tail off. You know, I decided to run for public office in 16 when I got asked to run. In 2016, when I got asked to run, uh, Dan Sutex was the previous senator. And so I just really prayed about it, stepped in. And, you know, my whole career has been built on service. So I worked in D.C. I've worked for International Relief Agency, Samaritan's Purse. I mean, and then the public service side of it. So I definitely have a, a very uh, servant-hearted sort of attitude and approach to the work that I do. And I've been fortunate to serve nearly, you know, 200,000 constituents thus far in my career. So, you know, I've had some tough races out there. And this is yes, definitely a daunting one. Yeah. So it's statewide, which is bigger, much bigger, but yeah. Um, exciting. Yeah, huge state. Now, I don't think nobody ever realized how big this state is until you say, I, I, I'm going to run for a statewide office, and then you realize it's right. a big state. It's a big, But now, all right, uh, just, you know, I, I knew you had your little, well, I mean, little, you was there, what, maybe five or six years. Uh, D.C., how did you get to D.C.? How does how does a girl get from North Carolina to, to working in the, the Bush administration and, and doing well, yeah, the things? Yeah, so. So that just really started, like I said, serving. I volunteered for an event when Bush came to Charlotte back in 2002. Uh, did some hard work for a couple of days with the advance team and then just got asked if I'd consider doing more. And so, sure enough, the vice president's office called about two weeks later and said, hey, we need some help on a trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm. And so I, I was able to do it. And so I just started volunteering um, and working with those guys and just moving my way you know, up the ladder, essentially. What I mean, what I want to encourage people with and folks that are listening, it's really, I mean, hard work does pay off and people do pay attention. So I just want to, you know, share that same philosophy moving forward, too, and know that I, that's always at the heart of what I'm doing. Well, you know, I tell you what, it, it's, it's it's rare to find somebody that, that's, you know, pretty smart and willing to work, too, these days. So I, it, they're, they're a <laughs> precious commodity, precious commodity. But now... Um, and now you've been with Samaritan's Purse for how long now? You've been there for 10 years oh, or more or 12? How long? Yeah, 10 years. I've been there um, almost 14 years. 14 I've served with Sam, Yeah, with the Graham family um, and, the, and the organization as well as the Billy Graham Association down in Charlotte. So actually ended up kind of sharing services between um, and splitting services between both organizations. Um, so it's been a really, you know, fulfilling Fulfilling career thus far, for sure. I would think so. I would think working with that group because they do wonderful work with the the relief they do and disasters and and just the ministry well, yeah. and its whole and the whole nine yards, just doing great work well, all, all over the world, not just in the United States, all over the place. So. Well, yeah, and in particular in North Carolina, when we get hit with those hurricanes or we have massive flooding too, just like in you know Kentucky recently or Florida, any of those, I've been able to go out and support. Um, and respond. I mean, not too long ago, uh, I was in Pine Tops, North Carolina, really working on um, kind of rebuild and, you know, getting that community back up on its feet too down east. So it's been, um, it is, you meet so many wonderful people and we are blessed with, I mean, thousands and thousands of volunteers um, that really come in and, and help in those areas of just cleanup and and restoring those families while also just pouring into them like the love of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, well, and you know, my church, we've actually worked with Samaritan's Purse. We did it down in Biloxi, Mississippi years ago uh, when Florence yeah, come yeah. through. So I've been in, you know, seen the operation, well-oiled machine, folks, I'm telling you. <laughs> they've, they've got it figured out, and that was a long time ago, and I'm sure you're only better now. So we got a break at about, what is it, 1145, Joe? Is that? So we got about five minutes, and we'll take a little, like, minute to break and then come back for the second part of the show. Now, in the Senate, and I don't know if, 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 education was your 
forte before, but you sure fell into it and took on some <laughs> huge roles there. Uh, you know, in my opinion, when I was there, you were the Senate education person uh, when I first got down there. And, and so, uh, you know, learned, learned a lot just, just watching you work and do your thing. Uh, how did how did you get in how did education come to you is that is that well thank you um well i would say i mean you know i've served on multiple committees from healthcare, education finance you know i mean you name it um but you know i think education just became a bit of a natural fit i've worked in education at the federal level with secretary rod page when he was the um, secretary of education so kind of understand some of those dynamics at the federal level i mean the state is a different beast in and of itself um, but also just know how important, I mean, personally to me, the school community was growing up. I mean, I grew up, like I said, mom was a school teacher, but I mean, I developed great relationships with our school bus drivers, uh, to my custodian in middle school, to uh, the cafeteria ladies who would cover me <laughs> for lunch sometimes. <laughs> so, you know, for me, it's just very important. Education is just so critical to, you know, um, all of our families and our kids out there. And I just want to make sure that we have access and, quality teachers and you know are really doing best by them to help them you know reach their potential i mean and have the opportunities i've been fortunate enough to have as well so i guess you know i got asked i, I just kind of stepped into it and then just it takes a while education's huge huge oh, yeah, it is. it's over half of our our budget our mm -hmm. state budget so um and then we've had a lot of money coming in and education and since COVID as well so it was a lot of uh a lot of uh, long nights and hard conversations, and um, but really good decisions too, and just really excited about the, where the state's going in this area. Well, and, and you know, I know this uh, on the Senate side. I, I felt like I'm sure you had help, but it looked like to me you were the one carrying the flag and leading the charge, getting kids back in schools during the uh, the pandemic during COVID. Uh, I know you did a lot of work uh, far as going up the. Against the executive branch and and their non willingness to to allow us to get kids in because we realize now how much damage we really did as far as the learning curve. I mean we're 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 still not back on par. They'll tell us we're back on par, but I think there's just a huge amount of kids still struggling to read, write, to do the things they need to do from from trying to be you know taught at home uh, through the internet. It, it, we're we're not there yet. We haven't got that part figured out. It's a tool, but it might work good for a snow day, but not for about 300 snow days consecutively. Right. Well, thanks for recognizing kind of, you know, the amount of work and leading the charge that happened in that area. But I have to tell you, Jeff, I mean, it couldn't have been done without parents and families really just using their voice and stepping up and saying enough is enough. So, you know, I was proud to really join alongside them and do what I could in the legislature um, and, you know, that took multiple tries and multiple attempts to get those kids back in. It wasn't just like it happened overnight. There was a lot of uh, hard conversations going on and negotiating with the executive branch, but then ultimately getting to uh, getting to the right place and getting those doors back open to those classrooms and those school buildings because that leads to doors opening for jobs. And, you know, that's what we want um, for, you know, to, be, to strengthen, you know, our state at large. So um, it was hard. It was, I mean, it was well worth it by by all means. Well, I, you know, and and you had so many different powers 
kind of working against you that you couldn't even really realize, you know, there's a lot there were a lot of people that didn't want to see the kids go back. For whatever reason, I do not know. Maybe it's school safety. I don't know. Hey, we got about 10 seconds. We're going to go to the, that hard break and then come back when we're going to talk some more with Deanna Ballard and we're going to talk a little bit about her run for lieutenant governor then. All right, just hold tight, folks. All right, folks, we're back here second half. Deanna, you still with me? Sorry about these breaks, but, you know, somebody's got to pay the bills. Somebody's got to pay the bills. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, now let's talk a little bit about your run for lieutenant governor. You know, I, it's been kind of quiet up in the mountains. Hadn't heard, no offense, hadn't heard much from you. I figured you were busy working, working. Next thing I know, out of nowhere, here comes this. What What made Deanna Ballard decide she wants to get back in uh, to the public life and, and, and do the lieutenant governor job? Because that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Yeah, I'm excited about um, kind of the decision, actually. I got asked to really consider it um, from multiple sources across the state and really, you know, encouraged to just jump in. And it's time for, you know, continue to fresh voice. Uh, you know, Mark Robinson's been um, really vocal. I want to continue to sort of, you know, he, he turned that role from a ceremonial role into really a platform to fight for conservative values. And and boy, do we need a fight? And I feel like I've been a fighter, and I can I can step in and really continue to carry the mantle and lift up those issues that are really important to um, you know all our folks across the state. Um, having you know again, like I said, just having a real desire to be mindful of you know my my service and my heart for service, and just of course went into it with a lot of prayer as well. So really feel like this is something that you know, I think public service really is a calling too. So, you know, I still feel this calling to serve mm-hmm. and uh, it just keeps me engaged in education. And, you know, there's a lot of value add there at those state board positions that the Lieutenant Governor sits on that you can be a part of too. So it's, it's exciting. You know, we all, we all just thought you wanted to be Phil Berger's boss, you know, wanted to flip the script there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you. I don't I'm just know teasing. Uh, anyway, but yeah, you're right now. Okay, the lieutenant governor sits on the uh, the community college board, uh, also on the state board of elect. Uh, not elect, excuse me, education too. Correct? Aren't they on both? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. you got your hand in the community college, and you got your hand also on on K twelve. Uh, right. and, and you know, in the past. Um, we never heard, and Dan Forrest did do some, but not much, not near like Mark has. Uh, you know, we never heard much from Lieutenant Governor on those different boards, but all of a sudden, uh, we realized that, hey, we, we've got things that need to be brought out and come forth, and so Mark's been a big advocate, and sounds like you're going to go right along with it. You have the experience by being in the Senate on education and leading that, so you kind of know where you're going. Uh, what is there anything that you see right now out there that that's bothering you on that education uh, platform that you could maybe have some uh, influence with now? What's something you'd like to maybe try to look at or talk about? Well, I think it's really important for us to continue to push for these parents' bill of rights that everyone's been working on. I was honored to be a part of that, like when my last year in the Senate back in 22. Um, and then you guys have continued uh, to kind of keep pushing it forward as we move forward. I know, um, you know, Senator Sawyer's been really working on protecting, you know, women's sports. Mm-hmm. So, one of, you know, and, and I think this is an opportunity where even as a female, you can kind of step up and lean into some of these issues, um, including pro-life issues that maybe others haven't or just kind of keep it arm's length to a degree. But 
you know, I, I worked with Mark on the indoct- on his indoctrination class, um, workforce, task force that he did about political indoctrination into the classroom. Yeah. So I know there's room here for folks um, in that role to really lift up. I mean, I, we could be lifting up workforce development. I would say that's a huge critical issue right now. We're the number one state for business. Mm-hmm. So we have to deliver the number one workforce. And I know people keep saying that. We keep talking about it. But, man. There is just so much there to still be done at the state level. I mean, it sits on, you know, you've got pieces of workforce that sit in commerce. You've got community college and apprenticeships. You've got K-12. You've got the higher ed, the UNC system. You've got, you know, EDP and C with economic development. And so I think there's a way we can really start to thread some of this and empowering a lot at the local level, too, to really figure out how we can deliver that best and the most excellent workforce in the country well and and and, you know realize this too or i do or you you're going to bring a different perspective being a woman uh you know i'll just say that that a man would bring uh, mark brought a different perspective being a minority so you know we need to hear all these different ideas all these different perspectives uh and, and and there's things that you can say that 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 I can't say. Actually, there's quite a few things that I can't say anymore. But that's a whole other story. Um, but there, but there's things you can, and, and 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 that's that's good. That's good because we need to have the conversations, and we need to have people who are able to lead the conversations from their point of view. I mean, I do not have the point of view that that a, a woman has that you have, and, and those need to be heard. And so this is going to give, you know, yeah. a good chance for for you to have that platform to be able to to do these things. Uh right, I, but let's not stick, focus just on like even the gender side of too. Age is another issue. Age was a big thing when I went into the general well, now, assembly. Now you told me you weren't but 29. I thought you were just 29. I didn't think you were that old. <laughs> <laughs> This teasing, this teasing. You know, like the younger faces and the fresh perspectives all across just really help diversify the party and the conservatives, you know, at large. And just, I think that's critical. And I, I think that's important for us moving forward as a state to really lean into that more and embrace that. Well, and, and you know, we constantly, I hear in the press whenever they do a press conference down there, oh, it's just a bunch of old middle-aged white men. You know, we constantly hear that. So so we the, the tent needs to become bigger and broader and, and and different different views but yet all conservative you know everybody has a place and so this is a good well, thing I just, yeah and you know i want to be recognized for my skills and work experience and you know honestly i just i want to be the best candidate um and yeah. yeah. on the slate and really just you know know that i can be the best lieutenant governor for for north carolina i That's mean fine. i just believe that well, I mean, you know, you got got a lot of qualifications. You check a lot of boxes, Deanna. You really do. Other than the school education side, I know you talked about economic development. Is there anything else that 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 you're passionate about that you think that being the lieutenant governor could allow you to 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 make that difference in some area? What else is there? Is there anything in, on your heart? Yeah, I mean, well, I, like I said, workforce skills training is another, but also rural healthcare. Right. You know, I've I've lived up in northwest you know north carolina in the high country and you know just making sure that we have just i mean quality services and access for all of our families and and the you know lower appalachian mountains i mean that's really key and then you know helping helping residents and citizens really you know not be so skittish or skeptical of telehealth and you know what that can look like and and make you know making some of these new um you know access access points just really you know i guess 
uh, more viable and um, more encouraging and comforting to those who might just not be used to it. So I think healthcare will be something I'll continue to try. Behavioral health is a big issue. Mm. Um, of course, coming out of COVID and the pandemic probably only magnified that even more, especially even in our younger population. So uh, definitely we'll continue to, to, to dive into that. So, you know, I'm really proud of the work we've done on tax reform, you know, in North Carolina and the working families. Yeah. I'm the poster child for the increase in the standard deduction. I mean, that's the tax <laughs> cut that I, <laughs> I get as a, as a working woman. And so... Uh, very thankful for kind of the work that continues down that that path too. Yeah, and getting back to the the rural healthcare thing, you know, we're seeing such a consolidation of all these different doctor groups and hospital groups and everything. And you know, uh, in, if you're not in a big city or near a big city, uh, it's usually an hour, maybe two hour drive to get to the kind of care you need, and and that's that's kind of scary. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people need attention and they need it now. And, and, you know, like I said, these hospitals, they're not there anymore. The little community hospitals, it's just, they're, they're, they're disappearing. And, and so that's alarming. So I, I'm glad to hear, you know, you, you, you feel like rural health care needs to be looked at. And I think that's going to be a, a real critical issue for a lot of people across this whole state, you know, not just in the mountains, go down east. I mean, you know, everything's right, they, right. They moved all the hospitals to Greenville, North Carolina down there. I and mean, people are having to drive forever, you know, to get there. Right. When you're out, when you're on the coast, if you're not near Wilmington or Newbern, well, that's a scary ride then. You've got four hours maybe in a car longer. It's, it takes mm-hmm. forever to get around. So, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Well, all right, we're getting down here and we got about a little over a minute and a half, two minutes, something like that. I know you got uh, you got a website out. What's it, what you got that up and going? Yeah, let me fill you in. Right. Yeah, so um, I've definitely started pounding the pavement. Um, was at an agriculture event last night with a lot of our farmers from all over the state, from Rockingham to Shelby to, to Boone and Ash County. So that was great. So I'm telling people to really look at the website ballardfornc.com. Ballard for that's B A L L A R D N C dot com for N C. And it's the number four, like correct? F-O-R. No, uh, it's just F-O-R. F-O-R, okay. Yep. And then right. I do, I'm on social media right now, just on Instagram um, and Twitter. So Deanna Ballard NC, just feel free to look at those handles. And, you know, I mean, I would encourage folks really to take a look at things. I'm asking for your support. It takes money, folks, to, mm-hmm. to really get across the state and to reach. So if you feel inclined for a contribution, we will gladly accept. <laughs> and um, But it's a good use, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, like I always tell mine, somewhere down at the bottom, there's a button, this little red one, a lot of times says, donate, hit it. So I'm sure yes. you can use it. Yeah, and it, it, that's the other thing. It, it, you know, this race, it'll take you a couple million dollars minimum probably with, with the competition and everything's out there to do it. And, and that's that's daunting, but it has to be done. It has to be done. That's it's part right. of the game. So anyway, exactly. all right, well, Deanna, I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll try to have you back as this thing moves forward. But thank you so much, and good luck. And if we can thank help, let us know. Me. All right, thanks. Take care, girl. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and go to our prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we, we pray for all these candidates that uh, put their hat in the ring. We pray that uh, that they call upon you, Lord, and they gain wisdom from you, from all of us. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, you, you lead and guide us where we need to go and how we need to be and where we need to be at that time. Give us give us all this, Lord, and your holy, precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, folks, Till next week, take care.
You've been listening to North Carolina Representative Jeff McNeely. Join Jeff again next Monday morning at 11.05 for Taking Care of Iredell on News Talk WSIC.